Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of This Week in Apple. I'm your host, John Asselon. Well, I don't know if I can even say that for at least this episode because today I will be the guest. That's right. I will be interviewed by none other than the big man, John Herson, the game company president, who uh, I guess wants to find out uh, a little bit more about me. Apparently, he should have done a little bit more vetting before he allowed me to do this uh, podcast, but uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, as, as always with John, uh, uh, anything is on the board, uh, so we, he does want to talk to me about my particular replay, my 1964 replay. We're going to do that, but I'm sure that it will uh, digress into different areas, and uh, quite frankly, uh, I cannot wait for uh, the interview to happen. So John's going to be along with us very shortly. And uh, when he is coming on, he will be interviewing moi. So stick around. Should be an interesting program today. You're listening to This Week in APA, and we'll be right back. Good morning, ABBA folks. This is This Week in ABBA, and your host is a guest host, a substitute, a poor substitute for our guest. Uh, this is John Herson, and our guest this week is John Asselon, the normal host, the normal great host, the award-winning host of This Week in ABBA. How are you doing, John? I'm doing great, John, but I'd like to know when those awards are going to be shipped, because uh, I have I, not received not had any kind of a... Uh, a presentation made, but I like the fact that, that it is award winning. And of course, if it wasn't for the game company, there would be no award. So uh, I'll take it as it is. I'm doing great, by the way. Well, John, according, according to the U S postal service tracking, <laughs> you got that six days ago and it was left on, on your porch. Oh, let's, so you'll have to take it up with them. Okay? That's the, and that's exactly the way it should be. <laughs> that's exactly what, <laughs> that's the process everybody should go through, but that's another story. Uh, I I, I want to explain that the, the the original intent of today's podcast was to interview John about his 1964 BBW replay, and there's some interesting personal notes why John chose 1964. Unfortunately, <laughs> in last week's show, episode 69 with Jim Shea, uh, they talked about that a lot. So. Consider this part two of episode 69, and this is with uh, John Aslan and John Herson, and who knows where this may go. <laughs> but, John, one of, one of the comments that uh, got my attention in the last episode uh, for good and maybe for bad was you made a comment that your replay was the reality. Whatever happened that at that season was just an alternative reality. True, is that yeah. accurate? Yeah, you know what it is, and it didn't start out like that. I mean, I know uh, I know people do replays for for different reasons. Some do it just strictly to see how close Appa is to reality. Um, some people do it uh, because they want to test whether their managing skills are better than another. Um, some guys do it because they have a favorite team in a particular year and they want to play out the season with that team. Mine started out 
basically, and and without going into great detail, I I became a real baseball fan and was aware that I was a baseball fan when I was eight years old. Um, that was in 1964. Um, and I followed baseball for two reasons. One, I lived in Cincinnati and, and, and I followed the Reds or began following the Reds. And the other was that my mom's first cousin by marriage was Art Mahaffey, who pitched for Philadelphia, had a pretty good career, a very limited amount of uh, with the Phillies. And so there was a lot of hubbub around the house about Artie and when he pitched and when he came to town, everybody would try to go to the game. So I followed the Phillies and was rooting for them, was rooting for the Reds too. And then, of course, everybody knows about the great Philly fold in 64. And so for years and years, I, I thought about that and I, and, and I decided, you know, I'm, I'm going to replay 64. I'm going to, I'm going to be the manager for every Philly game, 162 Philly games. And I'm going to manage the, t- the other teams in each league. I'm just going to be the home manager and then the visiting I'll used to a, a, a micromanager and see if I can outwit, um, Gene Locke and and maybe bring the Phillies a, a championship, but what it's grown into, John, it's it, it has become an alternate reality for me. I mean, I I I took it on just for the basic, more most basic of reasons, but it has turned into uh, an opus for me. I mean, I I've gotten gotten into so much detail in this replay with stats. And, and I think one of the things that, that I enjoy is that uh, I basically pretend, I guess is the best word that, you know, my reality ended in 1963 and 1964 is a new season and all the stats just accumulate from that period on. So, you know, guys that are reaching milestones that were just short in 63 are reaching them in 64 and that's how I'm presenting it when I do my recaps on the Delphi Four. When I talk about it uh, on the on the APA uh, Facebook sites, when I talk about it with friends, that's how I am relating to it. By so it's really grown into this monster almost, and it's really taken much more time for me to get through it. But it is so much more enjoyable for me doing it that way. Now, what do your friends think? Your non-ABBA friends, you know, the guy that, for example, the guy that you uh, sing with at Kroger on Friday nights. What does he think about this? Well, I, you know, for people who a um, don't really know what the game of ABBA is and don't care to find out, I just don't even mention it to them. But I do have a lot of friends that are um, ABBA game players. And and they're aware of it and and they're interested. They'll ask me all the time. They'll say, oh, I read your latest recap or, you know, I can't believe the the angels are, are leading the American League uh, uh, to the all star break. And and so they'll comment on it. But most of the people that I, I know that don't because I, I don't want to get into describing APA to them unless they ask or want to know what it is I'm doing or if they heard me overheard me telling somebody about a game or a, or a a series that I played. So, you know, other than that, they just think I'm a normal guy. Uh, Unbeknownst to them, I have this weird uh, secondary life. (laughs) This alternative reality. Exactly. Listen, I, you know what? I'm a firm believer that we all need an alternative reality in this, in this day and age. Well, let me ask you this. Uh, is Trisha reality or an alternative reality in your death? <laughs> well, you know what? You... But 
And in fact, what I what I would like to do as a postscript to this interview is just do a little interview with her uh, afterwards. And 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 so so you can get a woman's viewpoint of an apomaniac. Uh, you know, what, what it's like to, to live in a house with somebody who, you know, sneaks off to, is, is kind of uh, uh, buried away back there. But um, uh, I've heard it all different ways. I've heard that significant others have just turned a blind eye to it, you know, just don't understand it. Others totally support it. Um, and Trish is just she's the type uh, of woman who just totally supports everything that I do. I, I, I can't believe that, you know, you know, she's come uh, to me at this part of my life. And, and, and the fact that I'm really kind of uh, dedicated to uh, APA and specifically this replay, uh, she could not be any more supportive. And, you know, I tell her, you know, I, I think I'm going to go back into the den for a couple hours. And she goes, oh, no, or she'll ask me, you know, do you want to go back and, and do it and work on your replay? And, you know, all you would say, no, but she's very supportive of it. And, and she is, she is reality and she doesn't go back to 1964. Okay. She does, but, but, <laughs> but I did not know her at that point. Well, uh, you know, Bill Blair and his wife every night when they have their nightly martini mm. roll two games of apps. It's beautiful. And Bill told me one time they were at a uh, MLB game and he went to the bathroom or to get something from the refreshment stand and he came back and his wife had kept scoring while he was gone. And instead of the one through nine uh, numbers you use for scoring, she was using the ABBA play result <laughs> as what the play was. So, that's hardcore. That's hardcore that's man. Hardcore. That was somebody's dedicated right there. <laughs> well, how are how are you doing compared to Gene, to Gene Mock? Uh, well, very, very well. In fact, uh, right, I'm, I'm actually uh, on July second, and I've been, you know, I've, I've been telling people for I think a year and a half now that I'm almost to the All Star break, and I'm still almost to the All Star break. But uh, uh, but yeah, the Phillies are. I I, I don't want to say running away with it, but they do have a nine game lead over second place San Francisco. And really, um, the the second, third, fourth, and even the fifth place teams have been jockeying for position. I mean, the Giants are nine out. Pittsburgh and St. Louis are nine and a half out. Then Cincinnati in fifth is 11 and a half out. But um, just lately, I guess through the month of June, Philadelphia took a huge advantage, but mainly because, and I, I don't, I can't remember the exact number, but I think they played 22 games during the month of June against Chicago, Houston, and the Mets. And they absolutely destroyed those three teams. Of course, those are the bottom dwellers of the National League. But now they're playing the Cardinals, the Giants, the Dodgers, um, and uh, they'll end up playing, uh, well, they'll end up playing the Giants in the final series before the All-Star break. And they're a game or two below 500 in, in those last three series. So um, I think they built up this lead mainly because of the teams they were playing. I think it's going to get very interesting the second half. Who was your favorite player when you were eight years old? My favorite player was uh, Richie Allen. 
uh, without without question, uh, whether it was the Reds or the Phillies, it was Richie Allen. And do not ask me why. I don't know. It's because he just sprung onto the scene as a rookie in 1964 and, of course, won the rookie of the year that, that season. But I can remember carrying a Richie Allen baseball card in the back pocket of my uh, Little League baseball uniform for two to three years. Um, and so, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And so, and I, you know, of course, you know, like most kids, I tried to adapt his batting stance, which was kind of a little bit hunched over with the bat just kind of hanging. If anybody remembers Richie Allen's stance, it was somewhat unique, but a uh, much, mm-hmm. much stronger guy. I couldn't whip that bat. I, I, you know, now they talk about triggers and what you have to do to get your swing started and where you need to be by the time the pitch comes to you. I did, all I wanted to do is look like Richie Allen. So that, that, that would have to be hands down, even a bigger fan uh, than Art Mahaffey. I mean, I, I followed Artie and I figured, well, he's a, he's a family member, but man, my guy was Richie Allen. Uh who is your favorite team? Well, uh, and really, um, you know, and back then, uh, it, it obviously it was the Reds because I saw more of the Reds. I actually would go to games that the Reds were playing. They were on television occasionally, but mostly I'd listen to them on the radio. And Wade Hoyt was their play-by-play announcer, of course, the uh, great Yankee great. And uh, I'll tell you, he was – you would almost hope for a rain delay – because when there was a rain delay, he would go into these long, elaborate stories about when he played for the Yankees. He talked about Babe Ruth. He talked about Lou Gehrig. I mean, it, and and it wasn't just me. Anybody who listened to the Reds would always uh, just wait for uh, uh, Wade Hoyt stories during rain delays about the old days. And he was just, I mean, he wasn't a great play-by-play guy, but he was a great storyteller. And so, you know, I listened to the Reds and followed the Reds. But, uh, you know, really, uh, again, the Phillies uh, were right there. And, you know, you didn't get that many games, especially from the West Coast. But you know what? I, I found mm-hmm. out that I really um, was enamored with more than teams was ballparks. I'd love when you'd see a ballpark come on television like Forbes Field and you'd see the batting cage out in center field. And it was like, that's that's weirdly cool. You know, I mean, I, mm-hmm. and, and of course, Cincinnati had the terrace uh, uh, in lieu of the warning track out and left and, and center field. And, um, you know, you had the spite wall in Philadelphia that they built so the people from across the way couldn't sit on their apartment top rows and watch the games and. Um, and Dodger Stadium, whenever you saw Dodger Stadium during the World Series, I mean, what a, I mean, it was just like you were in another world uh, when you were mm-hmm. watching that. But and Yankee Stadium, of course. But I, that was it for me, more the ballparks and the feel of the game rather than a team being a favorite. What was the first big league ballpark you went uh, to? Crosley Field. Yeah, Crosley Field. Um, I went there as a kid uh, a few times uh, with, with my dad. Uh, and then as I got a little bit older, uh, my friends and I would, uh, you know, trek down. And, and I had a really good friend, Warren Brown, who actually has been a guest on this show, uh, whose mom would uh, would go down with us, take us down and sit with us during the games. And uh, uh, that was, you know, when we were probably, I don't know, 11, 12, 13 years old. And um, I remember going to, I think, the last three opening days at Crosley Field, um, and then, um, I tell you what, it was more than that. I think it was the last five opening days at Crosley Field, which ended in 1970. 
Um, and then I uh, went to the first uh, two at uh, at Riverfront Stadium, and then I worked at the stadium. So I was at every home game through 1979. Uh, so it was about a 13-year period where I went to every opening day that the Reds had. Um, but, uh, yeah, that was my first ballpark, and the only ballpark I, I went to for a very long time. Last time we had you on the show, you told us your great story about cooking burgers <laughs> at the ballpark when you were tearing it down f- from football to make it. To yeah, baseball, at, at Riverfront, it was a, a two sport uh, facility. The Reds and the oh, Bengals yeah. both played there. And after uh, a Bengals game, if the Reds were, were still uh, in season, in, in which they were you know, every year after a preseason game, for the Bengals, we would have to convert the field. They were called conversions. We'd have to convert it from uh, football back to baseball. Now, do you have any similar stories like that one, just when you were during baseball season? Um, when I was working for the Reds? Oh, yeah. geez. Mm-hmm. We, we could do a th- three-hour show on that. I mean, right. we had, okay. uh, you know, a couple – I mean, just I, – I gosh, I mean – I, I, one of one of my favorite stories was, you know, Riverfront Stadium, obviously from the name, was right on the Ohio River. And we would get rats the size of cats. And that's not even an exaggeration um, in the ballpark occasionally when the, when the river was up. And they would bring exterminators in and lay out uh, poison traps throughout the bowels of the stadium where we were. I mean, that's where the ground crew stayed and where our equipment was and where we were until we came out to watch a game. We could watch games right behind home plate. There was plexiglass there and, and there was a little cove, maybe, I don't know, maybe 10 feet by eight feet uh, where we would stand during a game if we wanted to watch the game. And above us were the stands. I mean, there were people um, sitting literally down they could see everything we were doing or, or not doing but um and we were going through one of these times where we had a lot of rats and so they laid down the bait and one game we were out there as a night game and this is when the reds drew very very well this is a big red machine here and we were watching the game and out from back through the tunnel came this rat probably the size of a a, a kitten came out staggering from side to side like it had just come <laughs> like it just come out of a rodent bar you know just like uh, i'm gonna make it home somehow and circling to yeah <laughs> yeah and and one of the guys looked over and says oh my god look at that and of course the fans started looking down and they saw it and another one of my co-workers came over with what we called them loops and I don't know why, but they were the, the long wooden um, almost like squeegees that you would smooth out the dirt with uh, in between. And we were ready to go out after the bottom of the fifth. Cause that's when we went out and, and did some, some field repair. And he took this loop and just beat this rat on the back of the neck. <laughs> and then after it was dead, just lifted it up on the loop and carried it out draped over the lip. And the fans were appalled. They were the little kids were screaming. Parents were dragging them out. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it it was. Uh, but things like that. I mean, geez, it happened all the time. We used to go. Uh, they would have these rain uh, drains 
just little holes that were um, in the first row of the box seats down on the field, right next to the dugouts and beyond the dugouts. And, the, and so when it rained really hard, the water would drain. It wouldn't be uh, standing water. Well, when we were really bored, we'd uh, go underneath the stands and with a broomstick. And when people were standing trying to get autographs during batting practice, we would just stick a broomstick out there and just like rattle their ankles. And then they would. <laughs> and, the, yeah, and then the, the, the best part was, you know, two guys would go under there and do that. And the rest of us would be standing out watching the reactions of the people. And I just wish, I just wish we had cell phones. Then we could have recorded it. It was, it was uh, but uh, you know, then there was a time where the bees, a swarm of bees came in and landed right on the uh, backstop screen and just swarmed and the game had to be stopped. It was only about five to 10 minutes before first pitch. And uh, they had to bring a beekeeper in uh, to come in and find a queen, dig it out, and then take it away. And then that's when they left. I think the game was delayed 45 minutes. So, uh, but, oh, there's, uh, there's all kinds of things. You know, you could, write a, you could write a book, Rats as Big as Cats by Dr. <laughs> Asselot. It sounds like a Dr. Seuss book. Was, it, oh. Rats the size of cats, yeah. Yeah, that was... That was one of the wow. more, more fun times, yeah. Uh, one last question about this, and then we'll go to a okay. different topic. Uh, I know people are want to know who's your favorite run, uh, your red player that you met, or your Bengal player, whichever one you had you all, know, experiences all, with. Well, uh, well experience-wise, I mean, actually, I've, that I've met and known, I, there is a little-known backup catcher. Some, you know, might remember him. He didn't play much, but his name was Don Werner. Um, he was a backup catcher to Johnny Bench. Um, I believe um, after I like, he was from Appleton, Wisconsin. Um, just the nicest individual, and there were a lot of nice guys as players down there. I'm not going to say you know they were all jerks because they weren't, but he was just one of those guys that was happy to be in the big leagues. Um, uh, had a decent minor league career um, and knew that he wasn't going to catch much with bench being the number one catcher. Um, but uh, just a, a really nice guy. I remember uh, a lot of us groundskeepers, maybe half a dozen of us went down to Indianapolis when that was a Reds AAA uh, affiliate um, when he got sent down and we uh, were there for a doubleheader and, and, you know, we made signs, you know, Don Warner fan club and, <laughs> and, but, but he was so appreciative, you know, and, and when he came back to the big league said, man, I, I, I really want to tell you how much I appreciate you guys going down there. That was great. And, and uh, it, it was, you know, but it, there was, there were guys down there that were as nice, but you didn't really want to, you know, tread on their, on their mm -hmm. privacy or, you know, while they were at work, Johnny bench was one of the biggest jerks. Uh, and I don't mean to say that. And, well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say it because he was, um, he wouldn't, he wouldn't look at you. He, he would act like you were, if you walked by him and most players would at least say hi, you know, we're not, or, you know, acknowledge you were there, not bench. And I used to defend him by saying, you know what, this guy's at work. Some guys have to focus and concentrate as soon as they get to the ballpark to be at the top of their game. Other guys like Pete Rose could sit around and, and he could have rolled a game of APA, you know, 10 minutes before a ball game had gone out and gone four for five. He was just that 
he could focus that quickly where I would defend bench and say, you know, he's at work. Don't bother him. But I saw him after he retired from baseball and, and saw the way he was still. And when the camera light was on, he was the best. But when it was the camera lights went off, he didn't want to be bothered. And I like Johnny, but I really, I really do like the guy. I mean, I, he's a, personal enough guy on tv but i kind of know what he is like in -hmm. private and again but you got to give guy i mean just you just got to think of all the the pressures and all the expectations are put on guys who are that good and you know i in my eyes the the best catcher of all time um and just you know try to put yourself in that position and how would you feel so even though I think, well, he could have been nicer because other guys were, I don't really, I, I, I don't really hold it against him. But Pete Rose was a great guy. Um, uh, Pedro Bourbon was, was a fun guy. I mean, the stories he would tell, and, and not of that, but the pictures he would show you from his exploits on the road. I mean, he would bring them out and he'd have, he'd have Polaroids. He goes, Hey, look at this. And, you know, <laughs> and, uh, And I remember, I don't know if I told this story, but uh, Rick Monday, uh, and I believe it was when he was with the Cubs, uh, the Cubs were in town and I was out standing out uh, uh, while they were warming up um, close to home plate. And my back was to the Cubs dugout. And all of a sudden I felt like somebody punched me right in the middle of the back. And I turned around ready to fight. And all I could see was Rick Monday with his glove over his face and looking pretty sheepish. And then he walked over and says, man, I'm sorry. I just overthrew, you know, the guy. (laughs) And, and so, and I said, Oh, well, you know, that's all right, Rick. Don't, you know, don't worry because no man, he goes, I'm sorry. So he goes here, he hands me a baseball and he went walking about 10 feet away. He goes, and he he goes, now I'm going to turn my back. You hit me as hard as you can. (laughs) And I said, no, No, I'm not going to. He goes, no, I'm serious. Go ahead and make me feel better. And I'll tell you what, every time Rick Monday came to Riverfront Stadium after that, he'd come over, seek me out. He'd say, he'd say, hey, where's where's John, Uh, the guy? And they'd go find me, come out, and he'd have a ball in his hand, say, I'm ready if you want to go this time. (laughs) Every time. He never forgot. I mean, but those are some of the the fun things that, you know, George Foster was a great guy. Um, and I, I ran into him a few years back. He was a speaker at, uh, uh, my brother, my brother's uh, fundraiser, uh, for Northern Kentucky baseball and still the same guy, great guy. He looks like he could play today and hit 45 home runs, but, uh, yeah, I, but it, it was fun. There were a lot of guys that you look forward to seeing. And, um, you know, I, I, am just so grateful that I had the opportunity. What about Bernie Carbo? It seemed like of all the Reds, he was kind of the the nail that they couldn't nail down. You know, I I didn't know Bernie that well. Again, my friend Warren Brown, who I mentioned earlier, he was a a bat boy for the Reds uh, before he he ended up uh, coming onto the ground crew because he he finished college and then came back after that and worked on the ground crew for a few years. Uh, He knew Bernie a little bit better. Bernie was just a strange dude. Um, there wasn't anything wrong with them. He mm-hmm. concepts marched to a and, different drummer. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, it followed him to Boston. I mean, you know, there was some run-ins there in Boston that he had with, 
with with teammates and and opponents uh, alike. But I really didn't know. Uh, I, I didn't really get to know him um, all all that well, or really have a lot of contact with him. So I, I, it wouldn't be fair for me to, to comment. But uh, okay. you've been doing the podcast now. What it'll be two years in November? I think. Uh, it was. Yeah. Yeah. Believe you're right. Mm-hmm. Who was your best guest? Oh man, you're gonna put me on the spot. Besides yourself. Besides. <laughs> well, I'm I'm not been my own guest, but um, I, you know, I'll be honest. I, I and it's obvious that it's it's the guys who um, are more the celebrities. I mean, uh, David Eisenhower um, certainly was. I was, you know. You, I never thought in a million years I'd ever talk to David Eisenhower, let alone on a podcast that was dealing with Apple baseball and the game company. Um, but that's how it turned out. And it was, it was great. And you know, the, the thing about uh, uh, David was, was that he was such a down to earth, nice guy. I, I had the, the, the initial interview with him lined up on a Thursday night and that Thursday night, my mom had a minor stroke. And so, it was about a half hour, 45 minutes before I was supposed to call him. We're taking my mom to the hospital. Uh, I'm, I'm, you know, we get her, uh, we get her admitted. I'm desperately trying to call him and finally get a hold of him and told him what happened. And he said, oh, he goes, listen, don't worry about it. He goes, whenever you want to uh, reschedule, I'll be there for you. Tell your mom that I hope she's doing good. I mean, you know, like it was a buddy of mine mm-hmm. and, uh, and we ended up hooking it up, uh, you know, maybe a week or so later. And, you know, again, he said, how's your mom doing? And is everything good? I mean, just just a great guy and a really good interview, I thought. I thought it was interesting. Of course, um, uh, 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 Todd McFarland, who uh, is the uh, uh, Spawn creator, the comic book uh, uh, creator, uh, was a f- great guest because all I had to do was say, hi, Todd, how you doing? And he took the rest of the show for an hour and 15 <laughs> yeah, minutes. Yeah. Um, so that was fun. Jim Cott. I, I absolutely love talking to Jim Cott. And I mean, and I think part of it, and I'm not a guy to get starstruck at, by any means. And I think a lot of that was due to the fact that when I was young, I was a groundskeeper for possibly one of the greatest teams mm-hmm. in the history of baseball and saw a lot of the greats, not only Reds, but, you know, Willie Mays and Hank Aaron and, you know, the whole gamut. Um, so when I see a celebrity, it's, eh, you know, okay, they're just like us. They're, they're not that different, but, you know, when you think about, you know, Jim Cott and the career he had, and of course I'm in the middle of the 64 replay and he's very prominent with the twins and, and he's on MLB and, and he's, you know, he's talking to you from his home in Florida and we're talking baseball and we're talking app and we're talking, you know, his thoughts. And, you know, he's got a lot of thoughts about the way things are done today. That was a lot of fun. But some of the regular app guys, the guys that you've hooked me up with, I always call you my producer because you're you're always tracking down guests for me that and every single one of me, even when some of them I look at and I think, well, you know, I wonder if we can get even 10 minutes out of this. The conversation goes 25, 30 minutes, and it is extremely interesting material because it's app of material. And it's, I've never, you know, realized or have come across it in, in my playing app. And guys that play different games, I haven't played any game other than app of baseball. And then the guys that play football and soccer and hockey and um, just some really yeah, uh, uh, great 
uh, interviews. I mean, Jim Shea, you mentioned him last week. I mean, I, I, I could talk with him every week. Uh, uh, Dom Bravisiero, I mean, he's a great guy, a great interview, a great guy to talk to in person, let alone uh, come on the program. And uh, uh, just, you know, a bunch of them, the Schultz brothers who came on and their tournament just uh, uh, finished uh, this past weekend. weekend. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's, it's um, everybody that I've hit on, like you said, this is the 70th show. Um, I have not been just by any of the guests. It's not been at the end, like, boy, that was like pool and teeth. And, 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 you know, and of course, you know, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention you coming on because you are the biggest draw, uh, on this podcast. I mean, you get the most hits, the most listens. Well, and, and first of all, you're a fun, interesting guy to have on. And number two, you know, you're talking, and we're going to get into this a little bit later about, uh, upcoming products and what's new, uh, the guy who is, you know, running this company right now that is is putting out the game that they enjoy, uh, they want to know what you got to say. And it's always fun talking to you. It's not difficult. Uh, and and I, I, I like it when you say, hey, you know, um, uh, if you need me to come on and talk, or usually I'm asking you, like, you know, can you come on if you, you want to talk about new product and whatnot? But, uh, but yeah, I, I like I said, I've done. 69 shows that I've been the host of, and I've enjoyed every single one of those of those programs. Um, we're going to change subject here a little bit. Uh, you had mentioned the uh, tournament, the Schultz Brothers yeah. tournament. Mm -hmm. I want to give a shout out to uh, Jim Frosch and the managers from the TCABT tournament that was just held recently. Mm -hmm. And TCABT, I didn't print that page of the email. But I think it's Twin Cities ABBA Baseball Tournament. Okay. They, I have the greatest tournament T-shirts. Uh, Jim generously sends one to the office every year. Um, as you know, we announced at the convention that we were asking tournament uh, directors to raise funds for ALS Association That's right, right. in honor of Randy and Lisa Walker. Mm -hmm. uh, TCABT made a $1,759 donation. Wow. Uh, not just from managers who attended, but several guys who could not make it, who had made it in the past, they still want to donate. Daryl Scoggin, whose wife passed away from ALS several years ago, made the challenge to the group that he would match the initial total raised. Uh, they initially raised $859, and Daryl not only match he wrote a check for 900 holy cow that that's making the total desk donation 1759 dollars and that this is this is the abba community yeah. it just sums it up and it's not rounded corners miscut cards whatever <laughs> uh it's this it's stuff like this it's the the depth and the breadth and the length of the friendships that people develop over this these games um, so I just want to give a shout out to Jim Frosch well, and, and all the guys of the TCABT. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, and you really, you know, took the words right out of my mouth. I mean, and it's, it, it, if, if there's one thing, if, if somebody would, if you would have, that you've got from doing this, this podcast, that's it. It's the community. I, you can't, you can't, I, I cannot do a podcast without the word community coming into it because that's what it is. And, you know, I know that you get a, a lot of grief about things about not, but you know what? 
it's like anything else. You're going to get 5% of people that are just unreasonable. Let's just put it that way. It's the nicest way I can put it. But 95% of them are some of the greatest people and the salt of the earth type people that that you're ever going to run into. And, you know, if anybody out there has not gone to an APA convention, that'll that'll explain to you that 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 will give it to you in black and white and right in your face what this APA community is about. And it's 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 stories just like that. I mean, you know, who would have thought? I think who was it? Was it Greg Wells that's found that uh, article in the Afrata uh, mm-hmm. journal, and he, yep. he brought it to our attention. And then uh, you contacted him, and then I contacted him with Lisa uh, uh, about her and Randy and and the league that they're in. And it, it comes to fruition that in that way, just that one article that one of our great friends of the community sent you and sent the entire community actually. Um, turns into something that we can do positively and concretely to try to end that horrible disease, ALS. And I mean, and this is all done through the APA community. I mean, who knew? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yes. And the one thing I would say is, you know, John, you mentioned the convention. Yeah. It doesn't have to be the convention. You go to any of the tournaments, tournaments and you'll experience the same thing. Yeah. And for those who are wondering, well, what if only six or seven, eight folks show up if we started a tournament? The first year we did the Home Run Derby tournament at the convention, we had 10 participants. Last yep. year we had 56. So it, it doesn't <laughs> no. matter how many show up for the first one, it will continue to grow. Uh, I'm a little worried here, John. You know, we're babysitting uh, our oldest son's two dogs. And Waylon is laying Uh-oh. on the bed next to me, and he's snoring. He's sound asleep. So I hope we're not putting others to sleep out there. Uh, it's just <laughs> Waylon being, well, you know, seven-year-old well, pup. If it's Waylon, if the one dog's name is Waylon, and then the other is Willie, I got a feeling they're sleeping for other reasons, if you know what I'm no, saying. The other one is Leia. I, 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 the big sister is I'm... Leia from Star Wars. <laughs> I thought they might have been doing some, uh, yeah. some, you know, some, some kind of uh, uh, or something. Uh, but no, they're they're okay. I, I don't know. We could be asleep, John, but I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying. Yeah, it. I always like talking <laughs> to. Um, after I listened to uh, episode sixty nine, after I downloaded the uh, anchor app and favored it, yes. so that I yes. could um, uh, hear the past podcast. I just want to say to people out there listening or may know someone who is not sure about downloading the app, look, if I can do it, anybody can do it. So don't be put off because it's an app and you got to do something on your phone. It's, it's well worth it to hear the other interviews and to hear John talking today. But the, uh, you were talking about this what's reality and what's alternative reality and it got me thinking are you ready i'm ready i want your feedback on these two ideas the first one is you get 16 guys and you start with 1960 and you play 1960 with the 60 cards not but then from 60 going forward, it's whatever, ha- you, ne- you never expand, 
You never go to the DH. Uh, obviously, when new teams are added, you'd have drafts to to uh, mm-hmm. add those players mm-hmm. to your team. Whatever trades you make are the trades, so you ignore any trades made. Uh, you know, it's kind of a keeper draft, yeah. but it's just the original 16 teams, 154-game schedule, and you just keep bringing it forward. Yeah. What do well, you think? I mean, well, I mean, I, I, I think there have been, uh, you know, variations of that done uh, with retro leagues. I was in a retro league um, that began in 1969, and you picked a team, and then you had to cut, I think, down to, I don't know, 10, 12 players, and then they were all thrown into the draft, and then those guys were redrafted, and then every year you drafted the players that were coming up that would get an Apple card for that particular year. So in 1970, you would have John? the 19th. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you thought you lost. No, Shay just called. <laughs> oh, oh, but tell Shay to hold. Hey, you know what? If he called me, I'd put him on the podcast. We do a, <laughs> we do a group. I should, I should just put him up, but I, um, but but getting back to your uh, to to your concept, I, I think I think people are looking to do that type of thing all the time. I mean, I think you know I was I actually started in a in a retro league, D one I believe when Mays and and Mantle were rookies and then they were carrying that forward. Um, so things like that are great. And you know what? And this has been mentioned too. You know, this game that we play, whether it's baseball, hockey, soccer, football, whatever it is, it's your game. You know, don't get all caught up in, well, you know, it's, it's, it's 1960. In the 1961, the expansion teams come in, and if I went to – it doesn't matter. You know, it, it's however you want to do it. I was like that when I started my 64 replay. It was like, well, I got to go, you know, through and do everything the way it was, which isn't fine. But I'm considering whenever I get done with this is just following and doing 1965. But if I do that, I think I'm going to break it down to two five-team divisions per league and then have playoffs before you get to the World Series. Because, you know, what I'm looking at now in the National League is somewhat of a runaway. If it continues like this, you know, those last 50 games of the National League season are going to be painful to go through because they're not going to yeah. mean anything. Um, but if you have, but if you set up in a playoff scenario, which didn't start until 1969, but who's to say if you're playing any year prior to that, you couldn't set up a divisional uh, wild card type situation. So, uh, you know, retro league, that 60 thing, it's great. I mean, don't expand, just go ahead and continue to draft players from that point on. And just run it through. I, I, I think it's a great idea for those who'd be interested in doing it. Well, here's my other idea. Okay. Uh, I'm a big believer that MLB should expand to 32 teams. Mm-hmm. But go to four leagues geographically. Yeah, right. So that the Mets and the Yankees and the Phillies, Boston yeah. – you know, the, that East Coast corridor would all be in one league. Yeah, we've talked about this, right? Right. And what I was thinking is that after the 18, uh, we do this at Abago, after the 18 ratings are out, we would uh, create a 32-team league or, you know, four A-team leagues. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'd have two expansion teams. 
I think New York, the New York, New Jersey area could, could uh, support a third team, at least in this world. Yeah. Uh, and uh, do 150. So you'd have an expansion draft then. Uh, you know, the guys that yep. got the Yankees or whatever can only free so many players. And then just play it. Yep. But uh, unlike you and Bud Selig, uh <laughs> I would just have uh, the, the league champions play and I know that could get, you know, horribly ugly if you have, you know, the Orioles, the mm-hmm. Tigers, mm-hmm. Uh, the Marlins. Uh, who else is in the 100-loss club? This yeah, year? right. Uh, yeah. You know, you'd have to be a really diehard fan to want to manage one of those teams. It, I'd be curious to see how the expansion teams would do vis-a-vis those those hundred well but either way it doesn't matter i mean if if you have just two champions or if you have six to eight playoff teams that's still probably going to eliminate those 100 lost teams anyway so that's going to be long seasons for them either way but um you know i I, the only thing about the, the two team champions is kind of what you're saying is it's not just a 100 loss teams, but you know, 500 teams might not have a chance more than, you know, 70% of the mm-hmm. way through the yeah. season. So it, and then when you got guys that are signed up that, you know, do have uh, an obligation or at least signed up to do, to have the obligation to play in the games, it gets tough. You know, life gets in the way of things and it's like, well, shit, I'm, you know, I'm 15 games out. What, you know, but you know, you can play games if you want. I was looking back to my replay. The, the first the first games that I played were taking anywhere from 20 to 40 minutes. Now, I'm not kidding you, and you might think I'm nuts, and most people probably do. It takes me two to two and a half hours to play a game because I'm jotting down notes during games about, you know, so-and-so's four hits away from, you know, a thousand in his career, mm-hmm. and or I'm looking yep. up. Or I'm looking up biographies of guys because it comes across and I'm thinking, you know what? I wonder, you know, how he came to be with this team or how he got to starting to and, – and the games take me two, two and a half hours. I might as well be at the ballpark rolling, the, you know, playing these games. And I'm using the computer. I'm not even rolling. So, you know, it's, <laughs> it, it just depends on how dedicated you are to, you know, to becoming a part of one of these uh, ventures. And, you know, I mean – to me, I'm a big stat guy, so if I had a losing team, I'd still like to see what some of my players end up stat-wise to be, even if it's two or three. I mean, you know, when I'm playing the Boston Red Sox in the 64 replay, there's not much to, to root for, but Tony Canigliaro is leading the American League in home runs as a rookie, and, I mean, it, it, it's fun to see what he does each and every game, mm-hmm. and that's what keeps yep. you playing this game. you got to find – you don't have to, but if you find a reason to enjoy it, that's going to keep you going. And it's the same way in doing replay or uh, doing uh, tournaments and, and league play. Hey, is there a time limit on these podcasts? No, I, won't, I, I can go till three o'clock. I'm, I'm good. We got another. Well, I, <laughs> uh, hey, all I got to do. People would love to hear you talk for, for another three hours or so, but not All me, I got to sure. do, the Bengals are coming up um, one, and I certainly don't want to watch them, so. Yeah, they're they're pretty they're bad. Very bad. They are pretty bad. You know what I love? You know what uh, I love about Packers don't play till tomorrow yeah, night. That's right. So. See, you got it. 
I don't know what I'm gonna do this you afternoon. Got, you want to you want to uh, nap? Just turn on the Bengals. Uh, but yeah, the thing that bothers me is about Bengal fans is they keep coming back. I mean, every you know, at the end of the the, the year, they're saying I'll never go another game. I and then all Mike Brown's got to do is say, well, we got a new head coach. Oh well, I got I got renewed interest in the Bengals. I think they're really gonna do something. You still got the same horrible team on the field. I don't care if you put Vince Lombardi as head coach. I mean, it's, it's, I gave up on the Bengals five years ago, but these fans, and I think more than Mike Brown, I'm more frustrated with the fan base that continues to be duped by this idiot. So, you know, and he's not an idiot. He's very smart, great businessman because he's making a ton of money, mm-hmm. but he's making a ton of money off the backs of fans who pay a lot of money to go follow a team that has no chance of winning because their owner slash general manager won't allow it to happen because it's going to cut into his profit if he does. That's it. That's my rant. I'm done. Next topic. <laughs> uh, that's okay. You got anything else you want to rant about, or we'll talk about some uh, the upcoming 2019 no, uh, baseball? All I want to say, one last thing before, if anybody's in looking at history of replay they can go back to the beginning you can go on delphi forums app it between the lines and look up 1964 baseball replay that's what you got to do i've got it from the beginning of uh, uh of when i started and it'll run all the way through to where i'm at today standings and a little notes and and fun things in there so if you're interested you can go there and then that's it i'm done now let's go to you what do you want to talk about you want to do the newsletter next week? Not this week, but next week. I'm going to be out of pocket. You want to be the editor? Of the I'll newsletter? do it. I've done it once and I messed right. up because I forgot to delete the previous one. So I loved <laughs> Well, that's it. It, hey. it was good because those you know, who missed it. Look, you can write pithy comments as well as I can, right? <laughs> uh, no, I'll let's talk about the 2019 baseball products first. Great, uh, great. We've had some requests for the baseball carded player carded list. That will mm-hmm. be available after the World Series is completed. Uh, one of the the wrenches in, in the whole process is uh, Giancarlo Stanton with the Yankees. Mm. You know, depending yeah. how the Yankees do in the World Series, you know, if they get to the World Series and how Stanton does in the playoffs, we could be in a situation like we were when the Cubs won uh, with Kyle Schwarber. Yeah. You know, poor regular season. I mean, a non-existent regular season. Uh, so we're waiting to see, you know, just taking our time. Because the more time we take, uh, the better job we're going to do. And in the past, we've had additions and subtractions to that player's list right up until we finally finalized it. Mm-hmm. So that will be available after the World Series is completed. It won't be available that night that the World Series finishes, and probably not the next day. But look for you know, 48 hours after the World Series is done. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. So if I'm to understand this, and we talked about this a little bit a couple of days ago when we chatted, you are waiting for the World Series. And, and, and Stanton's a perfect example as well as Schwarber was. Um, my thing would be, why don't you just, I mean, wh- wh- why wouldn't you just do what that player did? And obviously Stan had very few at-bats that Schwarber did, but 
that's what it is. I mean, if they get to the World Series in, in a replay, they get to the World Series. I, I mean, and, and the, they play the card that they played for that season. And if you really want to be realistic, um, they should probably play a percentage of the games that they play during the regular season. I, you, you, you come up against you either got to do one thing or the other. Um, or yeah, and, or and print two different the, cards. The example, the best example I can give you is Joy Blanton, pitcher, journeyman pitcher. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. One year in Philadelphia during the playoffs, he hit a home run yeah. that he had not hit in the regular season. Yeah. Um. Uh, so it it's it's like we do the same thing with with football with the playoffs. Yeah. If somebody gets an interception in the playoffs, they didn't have one during the regular season. Mm-hmm. We include that in their card. Uh. But you're right. It's and Schwarberg, when we did his card, we took a, we did not just take his his regular season stats and his postseason stats and say, okay, this is the card. You know, we made some j- decisions, and kind of created a a an ABBA regular season card for Schwarberg. Mm-hmm. Uh, now that- based on those what, twenty games he might have played in. Uh, and there's a, then there's a J4. So there's always an injury factor. Yeah, sure, so if somebody there. goes yeah. off and hits 500 for five games and five home runs and, you know, 2,000 plus uh, slugging percentage or whatever, that's not the card they're going to get. Uh, it's just not enough data points and it's not realistic. Uh, the point with the regular season usage, that comes down to the manager. You know, there's nothing that's, we can do about it. You're that, exactly right. right. And that's that's you know, exactly so that's, right. So that's got to be up to the manager. But it, it's a good point, John. Uh, but, you know, that's how ABBA had done it for, you know, the 50, 60 some years, yeah. you know, before I bought it. So, and so, so we've continued that. So you take and, what they uh, do. So you take what they do in the World Series and just really add those numbers to the regular season. Is that what is that what you're saying? We don't do that for uh, if if you played in the reg. Let's say you're Mike Trout. Mm-hmm. Trout's card is based on his regular season. Yeah. Even if they got to the playoffs, unless something happened during the playoffs okay. that he hadn't done during the regular season, right. which isn't going to occur for a regular and everyday player. Right. Uh, we just do the regular season. Okay. It's it's you know it's the Schwarbergs where because. Here, here's the challenge that I run into with offering the ABBA game. The Yankees will be one of the final, t- will be one of the teams in the game set. Yeah, right. For next year. Mm-hmm. And let's say Stanton blows it out, has, you know, gets MVP of the World Series and everybody's talking about him. If a first time customer buys the game and they're a Yankee fan, they're going to be disappointed not to see Stanton. Good point. That Even is. though he doesn't qualify for the base set. Same yeah. thing with Schwarberg. Schwarberg had no business being in the game set, but we knew that Chicago fans, because they won their first World Series in ever, yeah. that they would, you know, we get a lot of people buying the game from Chicago and they would expect to see Schwarberg yeah. in that yeah, got a good point. So we, we made yeah. it 31 cards. Yeah. Uh, it, you know, it's not a regular occurrence. But, you know, we just anticipated that people would be disappointed if he wasn't in there. Yeah. And to explain, well, now you go buy this other set that costs you 48 bucks and you're only interested in one player. You know, that's yeah. that's not so a good it, look. So it's not so so it's not so much what they do during the regular season as compared to the World Series. It's the minimal 
at bat innings pitch guys that put up minimal stats during the regular season that are prominent players mm-hmm. in the postseason. Yeah. That becomes the problem. Yeah. Yeah. I and this year Stanton is a possibility to be a problem. Now maybe he gets hurt in game two and he sits out rest of the series. But yeah. uh and the other thing is with so many players going up and down and so many players just playing in a season, you know, there'd be over Last year, there was 1,358 players. Yep. I bet this year it's over 1,400. Right. You know, it's a lot of information to process. And, and Skeet does this, Skeet Carr, and he does a great job. He does it all, though, by, by hand. I mean, he does research. Yeah. So it's not like there's a computer program that we have. You just punch the stats in. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And it's generated. Right. Um, and there's, there's, some, there's some art in this. With, do you have enough pitchers? Do you have enough middle relievers? Do you have a backup catcher? Things like that. So yeah. okay. uh, that'll be available after the World Series. Uh, the plan, at, once again, is that the Abigo file will be available late November. Uh, the target date is always around Thanksgiving. So for that long weekend, mm-hmm. folks can do stuff. Uh, some folks have said... You know, if I buy the Abigo file because I want to scout my cards, and I uh, but I have to set up games to see all the cards. Besides buying the season file, if you paid ten dollars for the custom team app or function, yeah. that will allow you to look at cards without having to go through the game setup, and you just, just look through the cards. Card, right? So if, if that's why you're buying the cards or buy an Abigo file, you know, I would recommend spending the extra 10 bucks and getting the custom team app. The cards and the BBW again will be middle January cards coming first. Uh, The BBW uh, disc slash file will be about a week later. Last year, we closed that gap a bit. Uh, The reasons for that, uh, you know, people say, why can't I have it for Christmas? One, it's such a rush. Uh, last year, for 2018, we did not have one card correction yeah. after we printed the cards. And that's, and that's big. Uh, yeah. So we didn't have to send out, you know, correct right. disc, correct cards. And part of that is the Abigo file usually has, you know, several mistakes. But I've got all these additional proofers. Yeah. And then it's just a matter of changing a number in a file and uploading that. Right, right. Um, so that gives us more time to have a more complete, accurate set. Secondly, you know, with the holidays in December, uh, I'm at the stage in my life where I got two granddaughters. And when I was in the large corporate world, there was a couple of times where Christmas just snuck up on me. And again, that's more for the customer's benefit as well, because you know, if you order on December 22nd, you want something for Christmas, shipping is going to be very, very, very expensive. <clears throat> Excuse me. You know, we don't get the the Amazon rates because of the volume they do. So it, it, we're just trying to save sure. you money and uh, release some stress. So that has continued. No pre-orders. That has worked really well. If you're used to calling in your orders, um, I recommend you mail your order in instead. Yeah. And we will have in the newsletter 
what the prices are when we hear back from our printer. Uh, I don't know if cardstock is affected by this tariff war, the trade war mm, going right. on, but I, I want to make sure before we yeah. do that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's, that's it on the 2019 cards. Uh, same as we've done in the past. It seems to work. I know some people are disappointed, but this, this process now, this schedule is the third year or the fourth year we've done it. And it's really worked well. Well, I, feel. I, I think uh, people have to keep in mind that what you're really shooting for as much as anything is accuracy. And it's only going to cause frustration for the customer. <laughs> if the cards are wrong because it's rushed out, uh, it's certainly going to cost the company money. If, if they have to, if you have to reissue cards and reissue disc and, and whatever else is involved in that. So, you know, asking people to wait an extra two, three, you know, weeks, it's, it's a very small uh, price to pay when you get the things right and get it accurate and get it out and you don't have to worry about it. Yes, exactly. Uh in the newsletter this week, we'll announce the uh, release of the 1975 Pro Football set. Mm -hmm. And that set will card every player because some of the teams have less than 50. Right. But uh, going forward, it'll be 50 players per team. Uh, I've got some inquiries about golf, 2019 golf set. Uh, for some of the guys who play a partial PGA tour and, and a European tour, the European tour is still going mm. on, but we've done a cutoff so that we can um, start preparing the cards. Unfortunately, by this cutoff going earlier, uh, there may be some players who make the President's Cup team that are not in the regular okay. set. Um, but that's that's kind of the consequences of you know, getting the cards to, to the uh, golf fans earlier, mm -hmm. sooner rather than later. Um, we're working on Bundesliga soccer, 1819. Yep. So that should be out in the next month or so. You know, hockey, uh, right now, it, we're, we're not going back and doing any more historical seasons. Uh, we're kicking around some ideas for franchise great team set. Um, uh, We'll just have to see. Uh, college football 2017, 2018 ACC will be out in a few weeks. Uh, and there'll be some other sets coming out rest of the year. There'll be two new golf courses or a new golf course and a redo of an existing mm -hmm. course in November. Cool, uh, so hopefully we have something for everybody. A lot to choose from. Uh, right. Going forward. Yeah. 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 So anything in Christmas coming up. So you got a lot of options uh, for anybody who's in, interested in just about any sport uh, in the APA game company. So uh, uh, that sounds great. As always, uh, uh, so, some really good uh, uh, news on, on new products. And, of course, you can follow uh, everything that's happening at the game company by uh, subscribing to that newsletter. And, John, give us those, uh, those letters again. If they haven't subscribed, that they can do it. Uh, it's it, the email is c u s t s u p p at abagames.com. That, and that's our customer support email. Yep. Uh, it, for any questions, that's the way to do it. Uh, please don't go on Facebook. I don't, the only time I go on there is when I get a notice that my daughter's posted something about her grandkids. 
the 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 place that's checked repeatedly during the day, every day is customer support. Yeah. So please use that. Um, if you want, you know, haven't you want to place order? You don't want to give your use a credit card on the internet. Mm-hmm. Send us a check. We accept checks sure. or money yeah. orders. Uh, because the phone really is not efficient. Uh, we've changed the phone number. Yeah. I don't know the new number off the top of my head. So many issues with phone orders at the end where somebody thought they're ordering this, but no, they told us that. Yeah. And, yeah. and that it, it creates hard feelings. Yeah. And uh, so that's why we're doing that is to protect everybody. Sure. You got a hard copy of it mail and that's uh that that's proof that you know what was said was said let's just make it simple yeah. for everybody looking forward to no go uh, ahead before before i tell you you tell me what one yeah. last thing is that uh the we have reorganized the master football game booklet mm. and the printer is in the process of making the print file so the master game will be organized like the basic game by field position instead of type of play. Mm-hmm. Uh, the basic game guys seem to like that that organization. Yeah. Uh, we'll have tabs. The instructions, instead of that that separate instruction pamphlet, the instructions will be incorporated in the game manual, the master game manual. Mm-hmm. Uh, this, will, this is a long process to sure. do, especially the proofing, having to proof those charts the first time, especially with all the additional oh, yeah. charts. That that's you know probably a mid-November Thanksgiving time frame for that to be mm-hmm. released. And we're back for one final second on this week in Apple. First of all, I want to thank John Hurston for taking the time uh, to drop me a line and uh, interview me about. My replay, I really appreciate it. I could talk about my replay all day long, but uh, and it's probably going to take me the rest of my life to get it finished. But uh, it is fun, and I appreciate John doing that uh, for me and the podcast. Uh, and hopefully, we'll be hearing from John real, real soon. Um, speaking of the podcast, and I mentioned to John during the interview that uh, somebody who uh, I would like to get a perspective from is from a person that has to live in a house with an APA guy. And uh, the, the person that I live with, it's Trish. I know you've heard her many times on the program being mentioned by John or myself. And uh, uh, she's got to put up with me and uh, uh, play an app. And so I thought, you know, I'd get a woman's perspective of what it's like to live in a house with a guy who is somewhat obsessed and maybe not that much, but a little bit, uh, with the APA uh, board game. Of course, I play computer, but either way, it's the same thing. So Trish has joined me. Uh, we uh, actually are wearing our colors. Uh, she's a big Astro fan, so she's got her Astros hoodie on, and uh, I'm wearing my Washington uh, National uh, sweatshirt. Not, you know, a great fan of the Washington Nationals, but a friend of mine plays for the Nats uh, uh, Adam Eaton, so I'm kind of backing them for the World Series. So, uh, and if we, I took a, pic, a picture, and you'll see it on the This Week in Apple Facebook page. But uh, Trish, um, you've been very patient. And uh, first of all, what is it like 
to, first of all, what, what did you think when I told you that, well, like I, I kind of play this game and it's, uh, you know, blah, 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 and you're not really being a baseball fan until we met. Tell about what uh, that was like to find that out. Well, it was interesting because I didn't know what the game was. So when you told me, I had no idea what to expect. And now that you know what the game is, and you've actually played a game, we rolled a game uh, uh, just recently. Uh, so now, oh, oh, wait a minute. I actually won yeah, the game. Yeah, well, that's true. But it never got finished. We had to uh, call it after seven innings. I still won. Yeah, okay. Well, that being said, um, uh, what is your uh, outlook now that you know a little bit about the game, you know about my replay and, and how long it has taken me uh, to get that done, but uh, what, what are your feelings now? It's fine. You enjoy it, and it's something that's important to you, so that makes it important to me. and doesn't cause any problems at all. Well, that's very nice to say. Um, I'm going to go for a couple hours back and <laughs> dig on my replay. You don't mind it. Can you make dinner while, while I'm doing that? But, but really, and, and I think that's something that you hear a lot. Of. I've also heard stories where women are like, I don't care what you do, just get out of my face. And if you want to go play, go ahead. But the, uh, the garage has to be painted next week. But you are, you are very uh, understanding. And, and a lot of women that I know uh, who are with guys who play APA uh, are the same way. So, uh, uh, you know, in 20 years when I'm coming into late September of my 1964 tournament, are you still going to feel this way? I'm pretty sure I will. Now well, that's good to know. Well, Trish, thanks. Now you got the Astros and the Nationals in the World Series. You love Justin Verlander. Unfortunately, he's taken. Um, and uh, and 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 I'm going to go. I'm going to root for the Nats uh, because of the aforementioned uh, Adam Eaton. Your synopsis on how this series is going to go. The Astros are going to win in four. In four, okay, that's good. And I, I may, I may have you. Uh, I, I may have you uh, play the Astros in the World Series preplay, which I'll be doing for uh, the Apple Game Company and also the podcast. So uh, you can go ahead and do some a little bit of your Astro uh, work there and see how you can do. Sounds good. All right, let's do it. So. Anyway, Trish, thanks a lot. Appreciate it, as always. And I want to thank all you folks out there uh, who listen religiously. Don't forget to download the Anchor app. It's very easy to do. Uh, find it on your app page. Download it. Then when you download it, search the This Week in Apple podcast. Favorite that, and you'll be part of the TWIA family. Um, we also will uh, take uh, uh, voicemails. In fact, I had one from Kevin Weber. And uh, you, I'll put it up uh, just prior to the close of this broadcast. So you'll be able to hear Kevin uh, send one in, and you can do so too. You got one minute to say whatever you want to say, and uh, we'll put it up on the podcast. So uh, uh, thanks for listening once again. Uh, thanks again to John Herson, and uh, we'll be back in a week or so with another edition of This Week in Apple. See you later, everybody. Hey, John, this is Kevin Weber from Grand Rapids, Michigan. Just wanted to leave you a message telling you how much I enjoy your podcast and that I think you're doing a great job. I see you've taken a little bit of a break lately. I understand that. Life gets in the way of APA and our contributions to the community. kind of happened to me, too. With uh, I was contributing for over a year there to the APA blog for the Final Card Friday, but 
you know, umpiring, teaching, uh, during the WBO Apple League and stuff, that stuff kind of gets in the way. But I'm trying to get back into it. I'm sure you are too. So just want to let you know that I think you're doing great and keep it up and I'm looking forward to your next podcast. Thanks.